Well, one, I'm impressed that you all came back knowing that we're in a stewardship campaign. Sometimes those are easy to just kind of pass them by and let time take its course with that. But as we hear our scripture this morning, we we see that God is calling us, and in the scripture specifically, that we are to present ourselves before God as a holy and living sacrifice before him, which is our spiritual act of worship. It then goes on to say, and do not be conformed to this world, which culture can, can rain in on us and it can overpower us at times. But we need to transform ourselves by the renewing of our minds. And so today we're gonna be looking at two aspects before us, the mind of Christ and then the mind that culture presents before us in relationship to our giving. Before we get into that, I wanna ask a quick question and I wanna see how many of you are honest. How many of you would say you just love stuff? Right, okay, we're, we're honest with ourselves, right? So I am, I wanna say a recovering stuff addict, but I think I'm still a stuff addict. I, I love stuff, I like buying stuff, I get excited when I see something on sale that I never thought I needed before, but, but apparently I must need it. And the worst thing that could um, have possibly come into existence, I think, is Amazon Prime. You know, the buy now with one click. And you know, and I asked myself, do I need it? And all of a sudden I've accidentally clicked the button and it must have been God's will for me, right? <laughs> you realize in the 66 books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, God talks about the topic of money and possessions over 2,000 times. It is a topic that God knows well and wants us to know as well. So. For those of you that are parents or have been around little children, think back to when they're born and how they're just perfect. Yes, they cry and sleep, but they're so needy and you just love on them. And then something happens around the age of 18 and you discover that they are a wretched sinner. And it typically goes like this. They grab a toy. There's a kid somewhere else and they grab a toy. And the first word that comes out of their mouth is mine. You've all been there, right? You've experienced this. It's the first glimpse for almost every human being of sin is the sin of selfishness. And God speaks about it over 2,000 times. I believe that our God knows the number one thing competing with our heart is money and stuff. And it's what culture is telling us over and over again, to get more, to buy more, to have more. But that's not what we are called into. We have been given this gift. That's the word grace. What grace means is the gift of giving. We have been given a gift in our ability to give. And so for us to be influential, for us to be generous, we wanna talk about our experience in the grace of giving. So last week, I opened up with the idea called the scarcity cycle. And it's that God supplies. And we begin to consume what God supplies. And then after a while, we start lacking because we've been consuming. And then after we're lacking, we are brought into a place of fear and anxiety. So what do we do with that fear? We medicate by consuming and the cycle continues over and over. And I wanna take this topic and go just a little deeper 
The scarcity cycle, it starts in our mind, but our scripture this morning tells us to do not be conformed to this world, but to transform by the renewing of your mind. So it's not in the wallet, it's in our mind. Proverbs 23, verse seven, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Every choice you make, your, your life, your behavior patterns, all that can point to way you live, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. I wanna challenge us all today to ask yourself, and really, more than that, ask God, God, am I thinking in the right way? You should have received a commitment card in the mail, and if you don't know where it is, don't worry, next week you will have another one when you walk in. But in that commitment card, I want you to pray about this. God, am I thinking in the right way? I want us to look and kind of compare some of this story to, I believe a story we're pretty familiar with, the feeding of the 5,000. And it's in the Gospel of Mark, and and to give you a little bit of context, the feeding of the 5,000 was actually more than 5,000. It was probably closer to maybe 15, even 20,000. Because in, in the time of Christ, Jews, whenever they counted the crowds, they would only count adult men. Our ushers are gonna start doing that on a regular basis and we'll see our numbers change significantly, right? No, we, they only counted the adult men. It didn't include children, it didn't include women, it didn't include the wives. So the reality is that Jesus is preaching to this crowd that could be easily fit into a stadium, right? This is a large crowd, now probably not an SEC stadium or anything like that, they, they do hundreds, but, but I'm talking about a smaller place. And so we read, and and it starts in verse 34, when Jesus landed and he saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them things. This is the mind of Christ. He's teaching them where they are. And by this time, it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it is late. I like it, it's almost like, Jesus, will you look at the time? Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages, and the scripture says, and buy themselves something to eat. I can just picture this. You know, if we were to have this today, Peter would come up to Jesus and be like, Jesus, this sermon is amazing. That 18th point you made, it is life-changing. I'm gonna put it on Facebook. It's gonna be awesome. But you see the sun. Of course you see the sun. I know you made the sun. But it's starting to set a little bit. And and there's a lot of people here. There's not a Wendy's or a Burger King or even a Subway nearby. So I'm okay. I really am, Jesus. You know, me, Peter, I'm good. But Andrew and Phil, they're hungry, so why don't you just send everybody away so they can go to get some food? It makes sense, right? It's logical. It's what we and our culture tells us. When you're hungry, go buy something to eat. But I want you to notice the disciples were so focused on the word that we're gonna see over and over. It says, buy. Go and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus' response, the mind of Christ is different to the culture around us. And it says, you give. 
disciples are so preoccupied with what they're gonna have to spend, Jesus didn't say a word about what they were gonna have to buy. He just said, you give. You give them something to eat. Well, in the mind of the culture around us, that's to buy something, right? And I'm sure in their mind, it's, this is gonna take half a year's wage. Are we really gonna go and spend so much bread just to give these people to eat? And Jesus asked them a question, and I pray that you ask this yourself today. What do I have? Jesus asked them, what do you have? How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And so they did, they went and they found, and, and, and you're familiar with this story, right? They found five loaves of bread and the icing on top of the cake, two fish. So the story is happening and they're in the middle of it. And there's these two mindsets that are before us, the culture mindset that tells us to go and buy, but that puts us in this scarcity cycle that we will never have enough. Because even when they went to see what they actually had, they still said this will never be enough. How can five loaves and two fish feed the multitude that is gathered here today? We've been there, right? You're living life and you're starting to get ahead financially and then something expensive breaks. More than likely, it's always with a car, right? There's something with the demons in cars. The medical bills come in and you're like, this is ridiculous. We find ourselves in those seasons sooner or later, but the thing is, if you let it get into your head, if you let the culture mindset overtake you, then that isolated circumstance becomes the mindset for the rest of your life. And you think that there's just never going to be enough. And that's not true. Because the mindset of Christ, when we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, as Romans says, Jesus' view in this is through a completely different lens. He views it in the lens of abundance. That there is simply the belief that more and more than enough. So let's fast forward to the end of that story, the feeding of 5,000, and the scripture says, and all ate, not just the 5,000 men, but everyone there ate, and they were satisfied. It's our scripture tagline for open table. And then disciples, in the cleaning up after these thousands of people, the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So track with me just for a minute. Five loaves and two fish, and the disciples view that as not enough. Jesus looks at it and in his mind he says, no, it's more than enough. And they say, it's just a small, and Jesus says, it's plenty. So in that scarcity mindset, the culture mindset, when our minds are not transformed to Christ, we ask ourselves, what can I afford? What can I afford? But when we are transformed by Christ and we step outside of the bounds of culture, we move into this abundance thinking and we ask the question, what do I have? Because that's what Jesus asked his disciples, what do you have? 
When I was in Columbus, there was this single mother of two, her name was Kelly, and she had not slept in a bed for four years. She owned a bed, but her two children slept in the bed and she slept occasionally on the couch and sometimes with a child on top of her at that just being mama. And there was a couple in the church who heard of her need. And they asked themselves, what do we have? And they said, we have a guest room that has a bed that hasn't been slept in in over two years. That's a need we can meet. This is what we have. This is what we can do in the gift of giving. So as they begin to load up their truck with the bed and the mattress, they go to their linen closet and they realize there's an abundance in there as well. So they get some sheets and a comforter that probably hasn't been used in, in I don't know how long, and they load that up as well. And they were thinking of their house and what they have in their house and they, they always sit and eat at their informal, their casual dining room and again, their formal dining room table hasn't been sat at in over two years when the last person visited them. So they load that up as well. And that night, Kelly got to sleep in her own bed for the first time in four years. And her and her two kids and this couple sat down for a table meal together in Kelly's home. You see, the grace in giving is that we can open ourselves up and see what we have. Is there a need we can meet? So Kelly was overwhelmed with joy and the next day she calls this couple just to say, I cannot wait until I am in a position financially where I can do for someone else what you've done for me. And the couple says to her, Kelly, today is that day. I promise you there is something you have, time, prayer, something in your house, something you have. I know it seems right now that you are broker than broke, but there is something that you have that you can give and bless someone else, that you will find the grace of God in your giving. And so in taking and processing that, she realizes her neighbor just down the street had a newborn baby. And Kelly had this rocking chair that was never used because her children were past the rocking stage. And so for Kelly, who was struggling just to make ends meet and providing for her family, was able to give something of what she had. Now I need you to hear me on something. Many of us, we don't have the transformed mind that God is calling us to. We have the mindset that when my bank account is bigger, and my salary is higher, that I'm gonna be open-handed and give. But I think we're lying to ourselves when we say that. For it tends to be the more we make, the tighter the grip on what we have. I believe we all need to start today and ask ourselves, what do I have? God, everything that I have is yours. Use it in whatever way you want. Here's the thing, the disciples and all the people that were around Jesus, and when we get closer to Jesus, we realize that he completely redefines what can be done with a little. That we can discern what the will of God is even with a little. 
At Lily Grace's school on Friday, they can bring in a dollar and get ice cream. I do not think this is a smart habit because it's Friday, the kids are already crazy, and then you add more sugar on top of that, but this is something they do. So we tend to hold this dollar ice cream day as a little bit of a bribe, even threat for better behavior in Lily Grace. Don't, yeah, see, I was about to say, don't judge my parenting, it's a good thing, all right? But I think of what that little dollar can do for her and can transform her behavior. But what that dollar can do today, it's small, right? What can you buy with a dollar? Maybe a a soda, maybe. Not at a restaurant, gas station. You can't go to the movies. There's nothing you can buy there with a dollar. There's a whole store where you can buy something for a dollar, but if you're honest, it's actually a dollar seven, right? So it's small, but what if this small thing wasn't insignificant? What if it was more than just small? So here's a little experiment. I wanna ask you if you would consider giving one dollar more. Giving to someone else, giving to somebody in need, Find a way where something small can make a difference. I believe God wants for us to redefine for us what can happen with something ridiculously small. So here's the deal. If we live in this mindset, the culture before us, it's a mindset of fear, of scarcity. There's not enough. I'm going to run out Your life will continuously be marked by fear and anxiety. And that's not God's purpose for us. One of my favorite verses is John 10, 10, for the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come so that you may have life and have it abundantly, to have more, to have leftovers. Everything about the nature of God is more than enough. It is extravagant, it is abundant, it is Christ's nature. Therefore the life of his children adopted into Christ's family have to have lives of abundance, more than enough. So why do so few of us experience it? How do we live in a way where our minds, our lives are transformed and and our life is this living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Because that is our spiritual act of worship. We must transform our minds, our lives outside of scarcity and into the abundant living that God has called us to. The blessing of God over anything in our lives is a powerful thing. And in the scripture of the 5,000, Jesus takes the bread, holds it up, and asks for God's blessing on it. And when you give a tithe, you are seeking the blessing of God. Returning the tithe releases God's blessing over every other part of our life. Returning what is not yours. It has never been yours to whom it belongs, God. The tithe is holy and set apart and it belongs to me, says God. Returning it to the one to whom it belongs releases blessing over every part of your life. 
I shared with you last week from Malachi chapter three, verse 10, and Malachi is a minor prophet. He's one of the last three prophets of God before the birth of Jesus. And so Malachi is speaking to the people of God as the voice of God. And in the scripture he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be enough room to spare. There the phrase that rings out is the floodgates of heaven. This imagery is is interesting. It's it's used three times in the Old Testament, once here in Malachi, a second time in, in 2 Kings, and the first time that we ever hear that Hebrew phrase, the floodgates of heaven, goes back to Genesis and Noah and the flood. So what do we know about the flood? Because this is the way that God has chosen to illustrate this blessing for us, this grace in giving. It was a ridiculous amount of water, right? Scripture says that there was no part of the earth left untouched. And this is how God chooses to illustrate it this way. How will I bless you? What God is saying is there will be more than you can imagine. It's like this huge lake behind a dam waiting to pour into our lives. And it's not that God is saying, as soon as you pay up. But he's saying, when I find a heart that puts me first, that heart is the heart that I can trust with the abundance of heaven. Because if my heart, the way it is, it's all about me. And if God blessed me with abundance, who would I use it on? Me, right? That's the selfish nature. That's the culture nature. But when I give my heart to Christ and I am transformed by the renewing of my mind, what is good, acceptable, and perfect is that God has put my faith in action through a tithe, and that is a heart that God can bless. That is a heart that can release the floodgates of heaven. It doesn't say, test me in this and see if I don't open the floodgates of Wall Street or the floodgates of your local bank or the floodgates of the state lottery. It says the floodgates of heaven, heaven. We will experience the undiluted presence of Jesus, the indescribable joy and the abundant provision. So we see the leftovers of the 12 baskets. Because when Jesus blessed, it was more than enough. What are you seeking to give God today? How can you serve with a heart that seeks the heart of God today? I want us to stop worrying and living in culture mindset, the mindset of scarcity. But I want us to step outside the bounds of that and be transformed by Christ as we step into the abundance and the blessing that God has. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you, Matthew 6, 33.
the grace, the gift of giving, is that all will be given. God knows that when we open our lives and step outside of the culture of materialism, it's a death sentence for selfishness, but it helps us in our spiritual worship of giving to God. I invite you to pray and how you give and how you honor God with your tithe. Let us go to God. Gracious Lord, we know that we are to present ourselves before you and we do so in the preparation of our commitment to you. Lord, may we be holy and in worship of our tithe of you that we would not find the culture around us to change us and allow us to conform to it, but that we would step outside the mindset of scarcity and be transformed by you. That we would find what we have and we would give and honor your presence among us so that we would know what your will is, what is good, acceptable and perfect, almighty God. Teach us and lead us. Amen.